Okay, we're going to continue our study. We're in 2 Samuel chapter 16. That's been going through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We're all the way up to 2 Samuel chapter 16. Do you remember when David was on the run from King Saul? Well, now he's on the run again, but this time it's from his son Absalom. Absalom is going to take over the kingdom of Israel, and his goal was to kill David in order to do that. So David was going to, he was forced now to run. He's going to try to protect his family, his valiant fighting men, and his servants. So he's leaving and trying to protect everybody that he can on the way. So they all left in a hurry once they found out what Absalom was up to. And while David is fleeing Jerusalem, there are various people who show up to encourage and to support David. And we saw that in chapter 15 last time. But now we're going to see some different characters come into the picture. They aren't going to be the kind of good people that you want to show up when you're really down and when you could really use some faithful friends. So one of the things we learn as we we go through these chapters of 15 and 16, we got chapter 15 last time, but the Lord shows us something about David's character and how he reacts to people and how people respect him because of his, his leadership in the Lord and how he follows the Lord. And uh, we're going to see today that there are other folks that show up that can be problem people. And we can learn lessons from all these folks because uh, we go through difficult times ourselves. So let's look at uh, 2 Samuel ch- chapter 16, verse 1. When David was a little past the top of the mountain, because they're, they're on the run, there was Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, who met him with a couple of saddled donkeys, and on them 200 loaves of bread, 100 clusters of raisins, 100 summer fruits, and a skin of wine. So if you remember this uh, Mephibosheth, he was the son of Jonathan. He was the grandson of King Saul, and David wanted to help him when David got in uh, as king. So he, he set him up and he, put some, he gave him property that Saul used to have and he put this guy Ziba as a servant. So that's why he's mentioned here as a servant of Mephibosheth. So this Mephibosheth, he was a relative of King Saul. So he was in the family uh, heritage of the king there. But he had an accident when he was very young, if you remember. He got injured, so he was crippled. And when David became king, he wanted to show favor to him, especially being Jonathan's son, I think. So he gave him all of that land and everything. And then he set up all these servants so they could help him out and uh, do the work there because he wasn't able to do that. So this Ziba now, the servant, he's now come to meet David as David was fleeing Jerusalem. And when David left here, you think about this, it all happened so suddenly and by surprise. They weren't planning to make this trip. So they barely had time to get themselves out of the city, much less take the time to bring along food and supplies for a journey. So Ziba here, he's brought some supplies and food for David and his people, and that was a blessing. You know, David and his folks needed that. But we're going to find out that this is one of those mixed blessings. (laughs) When you look at verse 2, the king said to Ziba, What do you mean to do with these? So he sees all of these supplies and a couple animals here, and he's wondering, you know, what is this for? And he says the donkeys, Ziba answers him, he says the donkeys are for the king's household to ride on. So for some of the ladies that that needed help traveling, you know, he's got the donkeys there for that. 
He said the bread and summer fruit are for the young men to eat, so he's going to give them some strength from that, and the wine for those who are faint in the wilderness to drink. So it sounds like Ziba's been very thoughtful. I mean, he's thought about needs they're going to have. He's, he's made preparations for this. He's bringing some supplies to meet everybody's needs that he can think of, sounds like. But we're going to find out later on that he didn't bring all of these things because he was such a good guy. He's a con man, and he's just working an angle here. We're not told that up front. I think the Lord wants us to think, oh, another guy's shown up. He's going to help him, <laughs> you know. But we're going to see down the road and later on in the story that he's not that good of a guy, okay? Remember in the last chapter, we saw some men who were coming to support David. They were men of principle, and we talked about that. They wanted to help David because they knew it was the right thing to do. And they knew that David didn't, hadn't done anything wrong to Absalom, so they knew the Lord was on David's side. They've been, they understood David, they knew his walk with the Lord, and they had no question about that he was following the Lord. So they knew Absalom was the one who was the problem. So these really were men of principle. But Ziba here, he is not one of those guys. He's in it for himself. And we'll see that as, it, as the story goes on later. So you think about this. We can expect this to happen to us as well. When we're going through a difficult time, there may be people of principle that come by our side and want to help us. But there may also be people who appear to be on our side, but really, they are just in it for themselves. So you know that if they come to help, they're going to be strings attached. This teaches us, you know, to be careful when we're going through a difficult time in our life. Not everyone who shows up can be trusted. And it's a shame, but we live in a sinful world, you know. So there are good folks there, and there are folks who they've learned how to play the game. David here is going to be fooled by this guy. And David makes a mistake. You know, since David was on the run, he didn't take the time to check out his story. And David is going to have some regrets over that later. But at this point, David's kind of on the run, and his adrenaline's going, I think, so he just goes with it. And uh, it was an honest mistake, we'll have to say. It wasn't, it wasn't on his side. The fault here is on the side of Ziba. Uh, verse 3, <clears throat> then the king said, and where is your master's son? So he's saying, you're here, but I don't see Mephibosheth, so where is he at? And, you know, your first thought when you read through this, because you know Mephibosheth, everything we've seen about him, he's a very humble guy. Your first thought is, Mephibosheth must have sent this guy to bring all these, these blessings here to David and his people on the run. And that would be very logical and it would make sense. But the answer here surprises you if that's the direction you're going. So in verse 3, Ziba said to the king, Instead, he is staying in Jerusalem. For he said, Today the house of Israel will restore the kingdom of my father, meaning Jonathan and Saul, to me. Well, this turns out to be a big lie. <laughs> David should have been able to think this one through. You know, anybody who knew Absalom should have known that he wasn't going to give the kingdom back to Saul's family. That wasn't his goal. <laughs> Absalom was out for himself. But to give David a break on this, again, he's been on the run. He's probably got that adrenaline working overtime. His emotions will be running very high, too. So he wasn't thinking as clearly as he should have been. And it can happen to any of us. We're, we're in those situations sometimes, you know, where we might have a weak moment. We're not really thinking things through, and, and people come in, and they'll take advantage of that. So he just makes a decision here before he even takes time to pray about it. 
And we get, a, you know, we get this lesson here. We need to train ourselves to always pray about everything. And don't think anything's too small that you can't talk to the Lord about it. Don't ever worry about praying too much. The Lord can handle it, and he loves to hear from us. So don't ever feel like you're bugging the Lord because I'm praying too much, I think. No, <laughs> that can't happen. The Father loves to have fellowship with us. He loves to hear from us. So uh, don't, don't let the enemy trip you up on that one. Verse 4 says, so the king said to Ziba, I mean, he's just heard this, this Mephibosheth, it sounds like he's going to jump sides and go on the side of Absalom. So the king says to Ziba, here, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. <laughs> so he just took all of the land and everything, the servants, everything away from Mephibosheth, who's not present to defend himself or say anything. He just takes all of it and he, he gives it to Ziba. And, and Ziba's response I, I humbly bow before you that I may fain, find favor in your sight, my Lord, O King. <laughs> so David reacts to what he just heard. And he just outright gives all this property to Ziba that once belonged to Mephibosheth, his master. So it helps to be discerning at times like that because some people may come to take advantage of us when we're in a tough spot too. I like what somebody said about this guy, Ziba. I, I call him Ziba or Ziba. Sorry, I've got that, that name in my head of Ziba. But his, I think it's pronounced Ziba. Well, this guy said, Ziba was an example of someone wickedly used a crisis for his own benefit. And we've heard a similar line from some of the politicians of our own state here, never waste a crisis. You know, and this is the kind of guy Ziba is. So Ziba makes it look good here too. I mean, he turns on a little humble charm. <laughs> he says, I humbly bow before you <laughs> that I may find favor in your sight, my Lord, O King. But it's not real. It's, it's fake charm, okay? He's probably saying to himself, yes, I did it. I just got wealthy, you know, by my little scheme I pulled here. So uh, unfortunately, Ziba's, uh, he's not a good guy. Uh, verse 5. Now, when King David came to Bahurim, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gerah, coming from there. He came out cursing continuously as he came. So this guy's not hiding anything. He's not coming uh, with the thought that I'm going to try to make David feel good about stuff, or I'm going to try to work an angle. He's coming right out and saying, I hate you. <laughs> so he's, he's letting it all hang out. And to me, here, they're on the run. These people have just left, and they're just going through the territory to get to a place of safety. It's amazing how fast people were finding out about not only David fleeing, but Absalom's takeover, you know? I mean, they didn't have texting and Facebook and all that stuff, but somehow, man, that news just spreads, and these people are all finding out. So this guy that shows up here, his name is Shimei, and we can learn some stuff from this guy too. He's actually, it says here he's from the house of Saul. He's a distant relative of King Saul, and he was upset that David had become king, and apparently he's been stewing over that for some time. So instead of the family, instead of the throne staying in the family line of Saul, you know, it, it went to David. So this guy's real upset about that. And he's blaming David for all of that that took place, okay? Of course, there's a couple problems with him blaming David. For one, Saul's choices to disobey the Lord is what removed his family from being in the royal line. David didn't have anything to do with that, right? 
And a second thing, God is the one who chose David to be king. David didn't put himself in that role. So to take this out on David was very unfounded and it was wrong. Okay, so this guy, he's a real stinker that shows up here. His name again is Shimei, and he's one of the guys who will wait in the shadows. They've got a lot of bitterness, a lot of rebellion going on inside of them, but they're not going to lead the revolt. They're not that kind of person. They will wait until someone else does that, and then they will come charging in and get their sucker punches in. So he's the kind of guy who will kick you when you're down. But of course, he's going to wait for someone else to knock you down first. (laughs) This is the kind of guy we're talking about here. And it's a shame, but these kind of people are still in the world. I mean, we live in a sinful world, so still folks like that. Now, we want to watch how David reacts here. Because he's going to have an amazing response to this hateful guy that shows up. And what's also interesting is that this guy who's blaming David for wrongdoing, he's way out of line himself. He's cursing King David, okay? And the law of Moses forbid that. Uh, In Exodus 22, verse 28, it says very clearly, you shall not revile God nor curse a ruler of your people. I mean, that's, that's really clear and really straight to the point. And he's violating that huge, okay? So the idea behind the Lord saying, you don't revile God and you don't curse the ruler over my people, it's basically saying if you come against God's ruler that he put in place, you're coming against God. That's the reason for that, uh, come, that law the Lord made so clear there. So this guy here, he doesn't have a leg to stand on for what he's doing. Oh, and we find out later, too, that there's a ravine between where this guy is at and where David and his men are at. So they're not close to each other as far as able to reach this guy. It says later on he was up on this little bit of a hill over them. So he's got a great advantage on this one. And uh, look how brave this guy is. He's made sure there's room for him to run in case any of David's men try to come after him. So actually, this guy is very cowardly. There isn't anything brave about him at all. He shows up. He's a little distance away, but he's close enough and high enough to be able to throw rocks and and get at these guys, and we'll see he does that. So verse 6 there, he's already cursing continuously, and he threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David, and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. Now, since this guy was getting away with cursing, nobody did anything about that, he decides to escalate things, and he starts throwing rocks. Now, this action of throwing rocks has added a, an, it's an added insult to these people here, because in those days, they threw rocks at dogs, okay? Uh, dogs weren't looked on as being nice little pets, like we look at them today. They were just seen as scavengers, You know, they roamed around in in packs and stuff, and people would throw rocks at them to get them to get away because they were, could be dangerous to be around. So they were a nuisance. They weren't very well liked. That's why the Jews called the Gentiles dogs. (laughs) It was quite an insult. And that's what this guy was doing to David by throwing these rocks at him. He's saying, you're just a dog. You're just a scavenger. You know, that, that's how it was a real put down in him doing that. 
Uh, verse 7 goes on. Also, Shimei said thus when he cursed, Come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. So he's saying, get out of Jerusalem. You don't belong there at all. He calls him bloodthirsty. He calls him a rogue. And he gets, this guy's getting bolder and bolder, you know, and he takes it even further. He's literally calling David the son of the devil here when he uses that word rogue. That's literally what it means, son of Belial, that he's calling him a child of the devil. And he says to David that all this trouble he was experiencing was the Lord who was doing this to him. Uh, verse 8, he says, The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. You know, making it sound like David killed Saul, get him out of the way to take his place. And the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. So now you were caught in your own evil because you are a bloodthirsty man. Now, when you're having a horrible day like David was here, I mean, he woke up to a nightmare. <laughs> He's got to leave his home. He's got to get all of his people out, try to keep them safe, try to get them to a place of safety, not having any idea how long they're going to be gone. No chance to gather any provisions. You're just running to try to escape and save lives here. So when you're having a horribly bad day like David was, it's just like this is the last thing you want to hear. You know, uh, you just don't want to hear any worse news. And here's this guy coming up doing all this stuff, harassing you. He's saying, matter of fact, this is happening to you because of God. Basically saying God is judging you because of your sin. Yeah, you really don't need to hear that when you're already down. So this is just like the devil, to kick you when you're down. And this guy ends up being a pretty good picture of the devil. You think about him. This guy's a coward. He says all kinds of negative things to you, and the devil does that to us. He'll put all these negative thoughts in our mind. This guy's condemning David, and that's what the devil likes to do as well. Someone said, you know, when you're feeling bad about something, you're feeling some guilt, if you want to find out if it's the devil or the Lord, you just have to ask that question. Do I feel condemned or do I feel convicted? Because the devil condemns, but the Holy Spirit convicts. So this guy's condemning him, and this guy's kicking David when he's down, and the devil loves to do the same thing. Uh, unfortunately, the devil plays so dirty, he will trick you into following a temptation he lays before you, and when you fall, then he'll kick you when you're down. So he'll, he'll go all the whole route with you on that whole scheme. So when that happens, don't be discouraged when the devil tries this stuff with you. I mean, remember, if the devil's mad at you, then that's a good thing. You must be doing something right, and it must be having an effect on the devil's kingdom, and that's why he doesn't like it. So don't be discouraged and look down, but look up and praise the Lord. You know, I, I say that as a reminder to myself, too, because there are times when things just start going wrong and wrong and wrong, and I'll find myself saying, what in the world's going on? And then the thought pops on the head, this is almost like spiritual warfare. It's like, Oh, yeah, we are in a warfare. <laughs> and it's like, we do have an enemy, and this is real. So, uh, yeah, we need that reminder. And I, like I said, I encourage all of us, don't look down when that happens, because it can get you down. Instead, look up and just praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that whatever you're doing in my life, it's affecting the kingdom of the enemy, and he doesn't like it. So I, I praise you, Lord. I just want to give you the praise. And, you know, it's ironic here, too, 
that the Shimei is calling David a bloodthirsty man. I mean, if, if that were true, then David probably would have had him killed by now. <laughs> you know, uh, That's not a wise thing to say some, to somebody when they have a whole group of their valiant soldiers and fighting men who are very loyal surrounding them. <laughs> that's really not a wise thing to do. So this guy, he, he's, he's one of these guys, he'll take a risk if he thinks he can get away with it. Not a good thing, though. And honestly, you look how David treated Saul and his family, too. I mean, David spared Saul's life when he could have easily killed him, all right? And then David sought to bless any descendants of Saul once, he be, once David became the king. I mean, he was searching for someone. Who can I bless from Saul's family? And that's when he found Mephibosheth, right? So even these accusations that, that this guy Shimei is making against him, they're unfounded. There's no reality or truth to what he is saying. So go on to verse 9. Then Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Please, let me go over and take off his head. <laughs> he did ask nicely, <laughs> Please, can I do this for you? Now, Abishai, if you remember him, he was Joab's brother. And they were both violent men. They went together on this killing of Abner and set that whole thing up, if you remember. So he's already a violent guy. And when he looks at a problem, he was, and he's very loyal to David, his solution is going to be, let's just use the sword and it'll solve all of our problems. That's the kind of guy he was. So David is not going to allow this to happen, but we get a very important lesson here. When you're in a bad situation, you want to be careful about the advice you're going to receive from those who care about you and who are close to you. I mean, their desire is to help you out of your circumstances at the moment. It might not be the best solution, though. I mean, we had better seek the Lord and wait for his direction. I mean, our friends, they may have the best of intentions, but they may be, trusted, they may be tempted there to trust in their own understanding rather than trusting in the Lord. And David here could probably just nod his head and Abishai would have found a way to get to Shimei and he would have gladly brought the guy's head back to David. But David resisted that temptation. And there are those times in our life too where we have to resist the temptation to take the easy way out because the easy way out may not be the path that the Lord wants us on right now. So pray about it before you do anything. And uh, this guy, uh, Abishai, he's, he's a good one to remind us. Uh, he wanted to go and take this guy's head off. And we want to remember, don't lose your head in situations like this. That was a bad pun. <clears throat> Verse 10 goes on. But the king said, what have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? <laughs> so David's probably thinking here. I mean, he knows Joab and he knows Abishai. He knows these guys like to fix things with the sword. That's kind of the way they work. And he's probably thinking, this guy's calling me bloodthirsty, and you want to go take off his head. <laughs> I mean, if you do that, you're just going to be proving that he's right, <laughs> and that's not going to help us at this point. So I don't know, but I'm just supposing that those thoughts are probably running through David's mind because he goes, you know, he says, what have, I got to, what have I got to do with you guys? So then he says, let him curse. So this is David's solution. Let the guy curse. And here's his reasoning. Because the Lord has said to him, curse David. 
Who then shall say, why have you done so? So David here, it shows us something very interesting about him. He sees every circumstance that happens in his life as being orchestrated by God. So he is very careful in how he reacts to things. Now, that takes some maturity. That takes some walking with the Lord for some time, I think, to get to that point of realizing that we don't have coincidences happen in our life. When things happen, it's because the Lord is making things happen or he's allowing things to happen. And the whole purpose of everything that he does is that we might grow into the image of Christ. So God's working on us through good times and through bad times. And David realizes this. So verse 11, David said this to Abishai and all his servants. He he makes sure everybody hears this message. He said, see how my son who came from my own body seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite let him alone and let him curse, for so the Lord has ordered him. So David's saying, my own son wants to kill me. This guy's just related to us by being a fellow Jew, and he's just throwing curses and stones. So he's the least of our problems, you know? And he's saying, besides, maybe the Lord told him to do this to me. So I see this as amazing humility on David's part. Rather than reacting in violence, David just accepts this as the Lord humbling him. So again, you know, it seems like David just surrenders to the Lord more and more in his life as the circumstances get worse and worse for him. And this is such wisdom. Rather than letting things get to you and upsetting you, just keep surrendering to the Lord over and over again. And do you know what this shows about David? That David was keeping his eyes on the Lord. I mean, you don't come to that level of surrender unless your eyes are constantly focused on the Lord. And remember what the Lord said in Isaiah 26, verse 3. We've seen this before. And let's take a look at that passage because this is a passage that uh, it's really a, can be a blessing and a strength to you when you're going through very difficult times. Isaiah chapter 26 It's one of those verses that you'll you'll go back to and you might lean on it over and over again and lean on it very heavy when you go through difficult times because I thank the Lord. He gives us a promise like this in here. Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace. You know, how many times do we want perfect peace? You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. And why is that? because he trusts in you. And man, that's a picture of David here. David is saying, my life belongs to the Lord, I know that. So if this guy's coming out against me, the Lord must have a reason for it and I'm just gonna trust the Lord in this. That's, that's tough stuff. But this is a verse, like I said, you might mark that in your Bible if you mark your Bible because that's one that will help you through a lot of problems, a lot of difficulties. We need perfect peace when we go through tough times, don't we? So back in uh, 2 Samuel 16 and verse 12, here's David. He says, it may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. And this is, this is a cool thing when you, you meditate on this and chew on a little bit. David knows 
that the Lord can see right into his heart. And he knows that he can see how badly David is hurting right now. David calls this his affliction. And I think the, the translation there, some translations have, he sees the tears of my eyes. David's hurting. And he's saying, the Lord knows that. <laughs> and this guy, Shimei, he's just adding weight to all the troubles that David has experienced on this day. It's like I said, you don't need more trouble when you're already at the bottom. But the devil, I'm sure, sent this guy, Shimei, to work David over him. So here's David. He's trusting that the Lord is going to show him mercy. And he's going to allow good to come into his life. But he's not going to repay evil for evil with Shimei. And I notice something here, how well David knows the heart of God. Because we don't see this principle in the scriptures that I'm aware of until the New Testament. But David seemed to understand it back here. And I'm referring to the principle in Matthew 5.11 where it says this, Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. And you see at this point in his life, David was trying to follow the Lord and protect his family. So he didn't deserve any of this bad treatment from Shimei. But instead of reacting in the flesh, which would have been real easy for him to do, I mean, if this guy's annoying you, send, send your guy here and he'll take his head off and it'll be quiet. You'll have some peace, you know. It'd been real easy to deal with that in the flesh. But instead, David surrenders to the Lord afresh. And he just trusts the Lord for future blessings. What a great attitude. I like what somebody said as they studied David in this passage. They said, David saw the Lord in his present circumstances, and he saw the Lord in any future blessings. I really like the way they simplified that into these two basic thoughts. You know, that would be a good thing to establish in our own life, to see the Lord in our current circumstances, and also to look to him for future blessings. Our God is not hanging us out to try. He's working in our life. And we know there's future blessings coming. Even if we leave this life, we know there's future blessings waiting for us, right? So we need to keep that attitude. It's hard, I know, when our, our flesh has been beaten up and the enemy showed up to stomp on us a little bit. Because sometimes you can get really get down, right? <laughs> you think, Lord, did you give up on me? He's like, no, I'm working on you. <laughs> you know, I'm not done, I'm working on you. So back in our passage, uh, 2 Samuel 16, if you look down to verse 13. And as David and his men went along the road, Shimei went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went. So it didn't stop. He threw stones at him and he even kicked up some dust, showing what a tough guy he is, you know. So when Shimei saw that David wasn't going to do anything to stop him, did that cause him to stop and show David some mercy? <laughs> no. <laughs> he just kept doing his evil stuff. And, you know, we need to realize that the devil's like that too. He isn't interested in showing us mercy. He's persistent in trying to harass us and discourage us. But it's best to do just what David does here. You know, just accept that this is how it's going to be for a while. So you just move on and you keep going forward. And that's what he does. Take a look at James chapter 1 in the New Testament. This is... Uh, 
we get an excellent reminder here, and I know that's a reminder I need uh, more often than I can say. So take a look at James chapter 1. And down to verse 2. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. It doesn't say in the good times. It says when you're going through the tough times and God's working on us and working in us, we're supposed to count it all joy. It said verse 3, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Wow. David was living this out in the Old Testament, and it's such a joy to see the Lord doing exactly what he said. You just keep trusting him. You keep walking forward. I'm working in your life. Everything's going to work out. I, I know what I'm doing. He just trusts me. Uh, back in our passage in 2 Samuel 16, down to verse 14. It says, Now the king and all the people who were with him became weary. I'll bet they did. So they refreshed themselves there. So here's the reality. <laughs> These guys are probably exhausted. You know, I imagine they've been running on adrenaline for a while. So it simply says they needed to take a break and be refreshed. You know, are you at a point where you feel like you've been on the run for a while? Maybe the enemy's been trying to work you over too, and you just need a break. Well, if so, then don't feel bad about stopping and getting the break that you need. But make sure that when you get refreshed, that you're getting refreshed in the Lord. You know, David gives us such a blessed example of his constant surrendering to the Lord at this point in his life. When things get the most difficult, it's not time to fight. It's time to surrender. So surrender to the Lord in those times. And I'll ask you all to remind me to do the same. Because <laughs> we need reminders, you know. So we saw in this chapter, in the last chapter, while David was on the run again, that a number of people came across his path. Some were very encouraging and helpful. But there were others that brought their own agenda, and they didn't really care what David was going through at all. And there were some great lessons we learned from watching David as he went through that time in his life. So we can expect, you know, when we're facing some very rough times in our life, that, that, that there are times like that. We know they may last a while, those rough times, and we're probably going to have the same type of folks show up along the way that David experienced there. Some will be encouraging and helpful, and they care about us. But there will also be those that aren't really concerned about us. They just want to take advantage of the place that we're in. And then we can't forget that our enemy, pictured here by Shimei in the last section, he, he surely is going to come at us. And he's going to make some accusations. He's going to throw some stones. He's going to kick some dust at us. But through it all, we can find God's peace just as we keep surrendering to him afresh. Take a break when we need it. And then just move on. We're going to stop here because the next section, there's, there's a whole lot there we're going to be focusing on. A lot of lessons, and I don't want to get started. We won't have time to complete that too far. We'll get right in the middle of it. So we're going to stop a little early today. But uh, if you get a chance, you can read through our section again today and be encouraged. The Lord sees right into your heart. 
He knows when you're hurting. He knows when, when you have so much you're, you're trying to get through. He knows when the enemy's picking on you, and he's there for you. So don't ever be discouraged and give up. Just look up and praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the joy that you give us in Christ. You told us we can rejoice in all the trials we face because you're working in our life. You're, you're getting the junk out of our life that doesn't need to be there. And you're conforming us to the blessed image of your son, Jesus. So, Father, as you remind us today, we've got an enemy. He doesn't play fair. He's dirty. And he can kick up some dust for quite a while. But, Lord, we thank you for the fresh air we get from you as we come to Christ and we just walk with you. Help us, Lord, everybody here today, everybody who's listening on the live stream, help us to just focus on you, that we can keep our, our heart and our mind stayed on you, and you'll give us that perfect peace that you promised as we trust you, Lord. And we give you all the praise for this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.